You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism from a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Welcome back to another episode, my lovely friends. I am your host, Rebecca Henson. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before we get started on this episode, I just would like to ask you if you have been enjoying these episodes uh, and this podcast, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. I know people always say this on pretty much every podcast you probably listen to, but (laughs) there's a reason, and that is that it helps with SEO, it helps get our message out there, it helps other people find the podcast. Um, and yeah, it's just a nice thing to do. If you're listening and enjoying it, then I would appreciate that so much. Also, you can write a comment about the podcast. I mean, you could basically just say, I love this podcast. I don't know. I enjoy it. Whatever, whatever you're feeling, if it's a positive thing, I hope, (laughs) then that would be awesome. So thank you so much. And thank you for joining me. And with that, we will jump right into today's episode, which is with my friend Chris, a.k.a. the Vegan Sheepdog. Chris is a once upon a time hunter turned vegan animal activist who is now passionate about rescuing animals and spreading awareness about veganism and animal rights. Today, we chat about his story from hunting with his father and grandfather to hugging cows and saving animals with his wife. We discuss how one special cow changed him and his wife's life, and we get into ethical lifestyle, challenges faced when going vegan, mushroom hunting, different mushrooms. We also discuss the dairy industry and the many different unfortunate truths behind the dairy industry rescuing animals, animal sanctuaries, and much more. It is a super inspiring episode, and I hope you enjoy. So without further ado, here is my interview with Chris, the vegan sheepdog. Hey, Chris, welcome. Thank you very much. I appreciate you reaching out and inviting me to join you. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Um, our mutual friend, April Moore, connected us. Happy healing vegan. God, I love uh, April and the oh content gosh. and the just the just the energy she puts out there for everybody is awesome. It's amazing. Like, and she's always producing such informative uh content and also um, you know, just like all these really great videos of animals and uh, I just love her. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, but before we I wanna obviously chat about your story, but I also want to hear about where you come up, came up with your name, the vegan sheepdog. So the it. vegan sheepdog, thank you. Um, it originally started out as the gentle sheepdog. When mm. we started our journey, I was not, um, we were not vegan. We went vegetarian for about a year and a half. And then um, through our journey, learning more about the dairy industry and uh, realizing how horrific that is, um, once we actually went vegan and made that decision, I said that name just wasn't poignant enough. So Mm. I changed it to the vegan sheepdog. Um, I used sheepdog just because, you know, my mentality, I grew up in a family where my father was a police officer, my uh, grandfather, my uncle, my brother-in-law, we have lots of military background in our family. And I've always been raised to protect those around me, um, you know, to not pick on um, those who, you know, can't fend for themselves and just kind of that mentality that, you know, I'm capable of fending off the wolves and capable of defending, um, you know, the innocent, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that's just always how I've been, you know, raised and kind of my mentality. And so uh, that's why I picked the vegan sheepdog and kind of, kind of went with it. It's beautiful. I grew up with a, a border collie as my childhood dog. So who would try to herd, he would try to herd, like somebody was mowing the lawn. He'd try to herd them. <laughs> he would yep. try to herd my cat. Like, And my cat would just look at him like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> what are you, what are you doing? I don't Why understand. Why are you yeah. doing this? Like, leave me alone. They, they're highly intelligent animals and you know, they're loyal to their, you know, to their animals or their people that they're protecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love them. I love that. So so tell us about your, your transition to, to even just vegetarian and then to vegan. 
So, you know, I grew up hunting and fishing my whole life. You know, we grew up in Ohio. Um, that was something that my dad and my brother, uncles, it's just, you know, tradition. Um, I used to have a set of pictures that were of my dad and or I'm sorry, uh, my grandpa and his dad with a deer that they'd killed a picture of my dad and his dad with a deer they killed. And then myself and my dad with a deer that I'd killed. And, you know, I took those to college. I had them up on the wall. Like, you know, that's my family. That's what we do. Um, that's how I was raised. And right um, passage, I didn't think, kind of yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Didn't, you know, didn't think anything about it. Um, and then um, my wife started following a cow online um, a few years ago and she really, she really fell in love with this cow. She loved seeing the videos and the crazy antics he'd get into. And she just <laughs> made this connection that he's just, you know, like a big old goofy puppy. And um, she's always been one who has struggled. Um, anytime the kids would say, hey, this was a chicken or this was a cow or this was a pig, you know, she'd push her plate away. She, she always had that in the back of her mind. But, you know, growing up in Ohio, you know, she was like me and that, well, we were raised, we had to eat meat, we had to have milk to have, you know, strong bones. And, um, you know, it's, we, we kind of joke about it because on our first date, we talked about veganism and vegetarianism. Uh, we went to a place called Young's Jersey Dairy um, here in Ohio. And um, she said she could easily be vegetarian, but could never be vegan because mm. she could never give up cheese. And I said, well, we don't have to worry about that because I couldn't do either. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so famous we, last um, words. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm glad that changed, but um, she kept, you know, this kept eating at her following this cow every day and seeing pictures and videos of him. And then finally she got to the point where she felt like she was being a hypocrite because she was caring about this cow, just like she would our dogs, but yet she was feeding other cows and pigs and chickens to our family. Um, so, you know, we joke about this now, but she called me at work because she and I have had some not so great arguments about hunting because she's always been against hunting, but never made that connection. While I go to the grocery store and, you know, buy packaged dead animals, what's the difference? Um, so she called me at work because she was honestly afraid of my response. Um, she called me and told me I'm done eating meat. I love you. And then she hung up on me. <laughs> I don't want to hear you say anything. I'm just going to hang up. <laughs> yeah. That, that she just, um, you know, and I hate as a, as a partner, putting her in that situation to make her mm. feel that way. Um, so that's, you know, that's my fault that she felt that way. She couldn't tell me that, but you know, well, we it's both, society as well, you know, sure. Yeah. Um, and, and we've both had some very strong opinions about, you know, hunting and some of the conversations we've had about it. Um, so about a half hour later, I called her back and I said, look, you know, if that's something you want to do, I'll support you at home. Uh, I'm not there. Uh, I want to do my own thing. And uh, I continued to do so for about the next two months. Um, I thought for our wedding anniversary, it'd be a really cool surprise to take her to this sanctuary to meet this cow. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had no idea how important that was going to end up being to me. Mm -hmm. um, so going to the sanctuary, meeting this cow, seeing his personality, putting my hands on him, um, it allowed me to make that same connection that, you know, if I can pet this cow and he responds like my dog does, I wouldn't do anything to harm my dog. Why would I harm this cow? And so we went vegetarian. From, I mean, I, at that moment, I was like, I'm in, let's do it. Um, we went vegetarian from that point. Um, and then over the next year, year and a half, I hate that it took us so long. But um, as we learned more on our journey, um, we started to dive into this and see what was going on in the dairy industry, um, what was going on in the egg industry. Um, we decided, you know what, you know, we almost felt like partial hypocrites because as a vegetarian, you're still supporting a lot of animal cruelty. And so then we made the choice to go vegan. And, uh, you know, I wish we'd have done it a long time ago. I think that's what most people who get to our place say, you know, and I mean, I have, it's bizarre that I, that I never made the connection because I was such an animal lover and I did grow up around yeah. hunting. I never like my brother hunted, always thought it was terrible. My mom and I both obviously like thought it was awful and terrible, but we never made that connection of what, you know, what we were doing. And we were also, you know, you're brainwashed by marketing of these, of what you think is they're living on these magical pastures and frolicking and so joyful. And, but, and you never think about the fact that they go to a slaughterhouse, but, you know, seeing them thinking that they're living in these pristine, you know, magical pet, you know, yeah. pastures 
makes you makes your and and they do that on purpose, obviously, because they know that if people actually knew how they lived, that they would not be on board, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you get the arguments where people are like, well, I only buy grass fed organic or from local farms. And, you know, that that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, you know, the way those animals are still treated in the, the end that, that they meet is yeah. horrific. And people don't want to see that. They don't want to talk about it because then they have to acknowledge that they're paying and supporting it. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing as greenwashing, you know, it just, it's just to try to make people feel better about their decisions. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's, it's, you're still eating a dead animal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's no way to, there's no way to sugarcoat that. Mm-mm. And, um, I think a lot of people, they, you know, they're, they're saying ignorance is bliss and, you know, I'll come back with, no, it's just ignorance when you don't <laughs> know the full ramifications of what you're supporting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's just, you literally not wanting to know, um, because you don't want to just have your own, you know, illusions destroyed. Yeah. I call it the ostrich effect. Cause when people are like, Oh, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know. Well, mm-hmm. you're just putting your head in the sand. Like, so the bag is so subconsciously, then, you know, that it's bad and then even consciously, but you just try to put it out of your mind because you know, you'd be upset about it. I just, now that I know what I know, I'm like, there's no, there's no, there's no question that, you know, I mean, I, I know it's kind of sad that I'm sure you're aware of certain like influencers and stuff who have had big platforms around being vegan. And then all of a sudden they come out with a video and it's like, why I'm not vegan anymore. And it's just like, well, one, one, usually they, have you ever followed the Goji man, his videos? On YouTube? Uh, no, I'm not familiar with so that. So he does, he's awesome. So he's in, in the UK and he does these videos on, um, like kind of going over the, the people who come out saying they're not vegan anymore, you know, who do like a whole yeah. video on like, and then look back at their old videos. And it's like, well, they did all these extreme, like they, like one person like was drinking their pee, you know, like this, <sighs> just, just these crazy things. And then they blame that they blame veganism on them being unhealthy. And it's like, no, you ha- already had like body dysmorphia or orthorexia, just an unhealthy yeah. relationship with food. And like, you know, it was already a recipe for disaster. Right. But where was I going with that? I don't know. <laughs> I just kind of went off a, on a tangent. Um, about, about the people who say that they were, you know, oh, vegan yeah, yeah. Videos. And I mean, th- and I've said this to, you know, I know this might sound dramatic to some people, but hypothetically, which is never going to happen, it's never going to happen that they're going to say like, oh, actually you do need to eat meat, you know, and plant-based is not healthy. Even if that did happen, I would just, I would probably just die. <laughs> like I just couldn't yeah. do it. It, knowing how I feel when I'm, you know, it's funny. So, you know, there, and there's a difference between like, you know, eating vegan, which can be unhealthy right. um, for, versus focusing on whole food, plant-based. Um, the difference you feel when you're eating whole food, plant-based, I don't care if they come back and said it's the worst thing for me. Um, I, with my connection with animals and how I feel when I eat that way, I'm still going to continue to do it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I say I'm a, I'm a plant-based vegan because I'm, I'm plant-based for health and then I'm vegan for the animals. So it's, sure. it's, yeah. I mean, just being, I mean, obviously if you are just vegan, that's fine. That's great too. But you know, a lot of the, I mean, anything processed is not good, whether it's, whether it's animal-based or vegan-based, I mean, to eat that often is certainly not good for you, but every now and then it's okay. You know, absolutely have a beyond burger, you know, for celebratory reasons. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, there's definitely a disconnect there. And a lot of the folks that are come back and say they're no longer vegan, um, you know, I, they, they weren't vegan in the first place because they, it's like they missed that ethical connection because veganism is not a diet; it's a ethical lifestyle to, you know, avoid and eliminate animal cruelty and exploitation in all forms possible. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think they miss a lot of that. And of course, you know, that's what the news hits on versus, you know, the news didn't, you know, we put it out there, but when, when Ricky Gervais finally said, Hey, I'm vegan now, um, you know, they didn't really, they didn't really look at that. They kind of just, you know, they kind of glossed over that, you know, yeah. while, um, you know, I made sure I put it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Somebody needs to. Well, I mean, the reason why the media doesn't talk about these things is because, you know, when you look at their funding they're I mean, if you watch normal television, the commercials, half of them are fast food restaurants for two dollar burgers. And then the other half is big pharma drugs to fix 
the fast food that you ate, you know? So of course they don't take, say a peep about it. It's their bread and butter. No, absolutely not. The, you know, you brought up fast food and it's so funny. Um, prior to going vegan, you know, we would regularly go to McDonald's and Burger King and Wendy's and no one, including my parents would say a word about what we were feeding the kids. And then as soon as we went vegan, they're like, oh my God, are your kids going to be healthy? Are you, it's like, oh, wow. Let's, let's, let's back up a little bit. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? Yeah, they it, don't, it they really, don't. It really is. Everybody becomes a nutritionist when you say you want to go vegan, but when you're <laughs> filling yourself with like nasty, you know, ugh, I don't even know. It's not even food. <laughs> they don't care. Oh, that's normal. Yeah. You know? So are your, your kids are vegan as well? So we've got a kind of a mixed bag. So we are a blended family. So my, um, I've got two daughters that are out of the house. Um, I got two daughters that are still at home. And when they go back to their moms, their mom is not on board. She doesn't feel they're old enough to make the decision. Um, so one of them, finally, she's 13. She'll be 14 here at the end of the month. Um, she said, look, she goes, I'm not eating meat. I, I'm not. So she, you know, obviously when they're with us, you know, they, um, vegan, um, but, um, they fight that battle because when they go back to their moms, she's like, no, you got to have this. And I've tried to share information with her. I've tried to have conversations with her and, um, I, I will, uh, reserve all other comments outside of that, but, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's an uphill battle, unfortunately with those, but our, we got three boys at home and they are completely vegan. Um, they get it. Um, our youngest, he's six. Um, and he's the kid that will be out somewhere and be like, why would someone eat animals? I mean, he'll just put it out there. I was like, and my wife's like, he's definitely your son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah. He's, 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 uh, good for a constant laugh here and there. Oh, that's awesome. So, I mean, back, back to y'all's story. I mean, what, what was the, other than the dairy, obviously, and eggs being, and I feel like that's often one of the last things to go for people or seafood because sure. seafood is so, they're so disconnected from, you know, it's so alien, any type of marine life. So it's easier to, to eat seafood and not be, not feel as bad. I, I, I feel like that is the mentality of it, you know? Um, but what were some other challenges? I know, I know you say you were a hunter. Um, and that is, you know, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother issue of like trying to <laughs> talk yeah. to a hunter about this, obviously. You know? Um, you know, my dad and I, when, when we first decided to, to stop eating meat, this is before we even went vegan. Um, he and I had some awful arguments. Mm -hmm. The first year I didn't go deer hunting with him. He, uh, he'd sent me a picture of a deer he'd killed, which is something he normally would have done. And I was, you know, I didn't want to see that anymore because I'd made that choice that I don't want to harm animals. And I, I simply said, um, I would appreciate if you don't send me those pictures anymore. And that turned into like, you'd have thought I told him to go fly a kite, cussed his mo mother up and down. Um, oh. And uh, it, it was, it was not good. Mm. Um, and we continued for quite a while to have some difficult conversations about it. Um, but now I'm happy to report to my dad, probably 85 to 95 percent plant-based um and awesome. he he hasn't killed a deer or gone hunting in the last uh two years so what um, wow good good progress there that um, is. now and most of that and, and i'm fine with that you know there, there's different reasons people come to veganism they come to it for the animals they come to it for their health or they come to it for the environment and i kind of I kind of describe this triangle. Um, you know, there are three pillars to a triangle, and you know, if one side um, is impacted, the other two are well as well. So, if you come here for your health, you're helping the animals and you're helping the environment. If you come here for the animals, you're helping the environment, you're helping your health. Um, so, he's primarily from a health standpoint. Um, so, I, you know, I think he'll eventually get there, but mm -hmm. um, he's he's the kind of guy he'll put he'll eat whatever you put down in front of him. Mm. So it's my stepmom. I really got to get to, and she's, she's. I mean, they they've got, um, they they've made a lot of progress. We're very fortunate for that. Um, my wife's family, um, when we get together with them, we have you know we have holidays and cookouts and things. It's all you know completely vegan. Um, they've been wow. so supportive, and um, and that kind of spurred over our first Thanksgiving that uh, we had, and where we had our food and they had theirs, and my wife told me told her mom and said, you know, it, it's kind of difficult to sit down and enjoy 
you know, a family gathering and to see animals that we're rescuing or trying to rescue on your plate. And so while they're not vegan, they, you know, they do um, make sure that when we come over or we have a meal there that everything is vegan and um, it's, it's been awesome. That's amazing. I do not have that same experience. (laughs) Um, Most, but yeah, I've heard some horror stories about families, um, uh, you know, back to the whole hunting aspect, um, you know, with my past, uh, I talk about this regularly in that I'm able to have that conversation with the farmers, hunters, and ranchers, because I've done a lot of those same things. Um, while I'm not proud of it, I can't change it. I decided to use that as a tool and not as a crutch. Um, you know, I can bridge the gap in some of these conversations um, mm-hmm. that someone who grew up in the inner city in California that has never, you know, done some of these things, um, you know, if they're yelling and screaming at someone who grew up here in Ohio, like they're not, you know, they don't have a way to connect and have yeah. that conversation in, in, in a way that is uh, conducive to getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I'm able to do that. And, you know, I guess if there's anything good that came out of my past, that's definitely, you know, part of it. And I try to use that as a, as a positive tool to, you know, have those conversations. Absolutely. I think, I mean, being, um, a male and also a male who has had that past makes it a lot easier. I mean, if, if, if I'm trying to tell somebody that they shouldn't hunt, I mean, you know, I've never, I've never had that you know, that feel or, you know, and that, that camaraderie that goes with it, or, you know, like you were saying, your, you know, the photos with your dad and with you, I mean, it's, it's kind of a rite of passage in certain, you know, areas of, of the country in the world, probably. Um, so that definitely makes it easier coming from you. Definitely, definitely <laughs> makes a difference. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that you know, my dad and I, we've, we've done since I was little, we, we always hunt mushrooms. And so morel, morel mushrooms, and uh, we got probably about three to four weeks before the season starts here in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, last, last spring we were out with, you know, my dad, my son, myself, um, one of my uncles, and we're out on some property we've hunted for, um, you know, most of my dad's life. Um, and all of mine. So it's nice to be able to do those things and still get out and have that camaraderie without the destruction of life. Um, and you're out in nature and doing the same, yeah, like same, same atmosphere, same scenery, just not Not killing, killing somebody. (laughs) Yeah. I have a friend who, um, he is a hunter and I don't know, well, you never know. I'll say, I'll never, I'll say, and you never know right now he's a hunter, but he does do the mushroom, uh, mushroom hunting as well. We were in the car with him one day and he was like, Oh, there's some lion's mane. And I was like, what? We we're just like what? driving yes. by. And I was like, and then we stopped. So and- many, there, there are so many good options or, you know, things I had no idea for the longest time. Um, yeah. in the fall, there's a thing called a puffball mushroom. They're about the size of a volleyball. They can get a little bigger. And I tell you what, what that's probably my favorite mushroom to a find. Puffball. Yes, they are. Uh, they are. They are really, really good. Um, and it's like, I mean, it's solid inside. So it's like, I, I mean, just think about your the best favorite mushroom you've ever had. Like it's <laughs> it's just it's just incredible, and you get so much of it. Um, wow. Morels morels have probably the best flavor. Mm. Um, so, but those are um, that's coming up here in the next uh, couple of weeks. That season will start, and that'll be my life for the next month. <laughs> we love going hunting, out and finding them. hunting shrooms. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a short season, um, but you know we love getting out. My wife, she's like, I can never find the damn things. But she'll come with me anyways to go hike into the woods. And then I'll be like, hey, there's one. She'll be like, no way. And she'll go, and I'll tell her where to go get it. What color so, are they? Um, they're kind of a, they, there's two types that we primarily hunt here in Ohio. One is called, one is a yellow sponge and one is a gray. Um, they, so the, the yellows can get pretty big, can. Um, we've found them about 12, 12 to, let's say 14 inches tall before. And that's a, and that's a really big one. Um, wow. normally the, the yellows, you can find them anywhere from three to six to eight inches is probably normal. Um, the grays are typically a little smaller, but they're just as delicious. So do they grow on a tree or just like in, on the ground normally or <laughs> on, on the ground normally? Um, but you know, at the same time, there's also mushrooms called pheasant back, which is, um, mm. um, really good. Um, and then in the, in the fall, again, late, late summer and fall, there's also, oh, I'm having a blank. Um, 
it's called they call it chicken of the woods oh yeah it, i've it never had that bro- but i've wanted oh to. my this was yeah. the first year we did chicken of the woods and i found a bunch of it and i tell you what if you put a little barbecue sauce or a little ranch on it it would remind you of chicken yeah um so that, and that's you know that's why they call it but there are so many things that the earth can provide for us um if you know what to look for and you know the right things because unfortunately there are things that um can cause us <laughs> some yeah. serious harm harm if not death if consumed but um you know it's it's amazing what nature can do for us mm-hmm. yeah uh last year we had like a ton of rain and in our backyard we had all these different mushrooms popping up which were not edible, but I did text pictures <laughs> to my friend, my, to my mushroom friend, you know, I was like, what about yep. these? And he's like, no, nope, do don't do it. We've got some friends in Tennessee that they'll do the same. They'll send me is, can we eat this one? Can we eat this one? Like, yeah. Nah, you better not. <laughs> Have you seen that? There was a documentary called like fantastic fungi or something. Yes. Um, I, um, it's really good. I got about halfway through it and I thought, you know what? My wife would like to watch this with me. So I stopped Mm -hmm. and then um, we haven't had a chance to pick it back up, but um, definitely something we want to finish checking out because it was pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. I mean, I knew that mushrooms were awesome, but it definitely puts them in a whole new, (laughs) like, like, these are the greatest things in the world, which I'm glad I like mushrooms. The funny thing is I used to hate mushrooms. I'm thank gosh. I like mushrooms now because especially as a vegan, like lots of dishes have mushrooms. And so I would be probably, it would lessen my options. But as a kid, I, it was like a texture thing, you know, as like a lot of kids, I feel like, and I hated them, but now I love them. So it's good. Yeah. I'm fortunate that my wife uh, loves mushrooms and uh, I'm very fortunate that she's a very good cook. So, um, I mean, I'll, I'll post something that she makes and everyone's like, Oh, I want the recipe. And my wife is one of those folks that she'll look at a recipe and like, it needs more garlic. It needs more of this, add a little of that. Um, and she'll, you know, flavor it the way she would make it. So it's like, mm-hmm. she can't it's her you know, own, it's her own write creation. it down. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Um, but very, very fortunate for that. Yeah. Does she, does she do any, you know, um, social media stuff or she does not. So yeah. she is, um, good for her. much more shy, <laughs> shy and reserved. It, it really is it sometimes, is. but, yeah. um, she's, uh, a lot more shy and reserved, um, publicly than I am. Obviously mm-hmm. she's, you know, if she's out, she has no problem speaking up, but I, <laughs> we always laugh because if we're out somewhere and I see someone that has, you know, beyond burgers in their cart or, you know, I have no problem striking up that conversation yeah. and she's like, and eh, I'm out of here. So. <laughs> You're like kindred spirit. Let's chat. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, um, uh, I, you know, I've, I've been at uh, Sam's club before and in the Sam's club they have, um, where they have the beyond burgers they have right next to it, you know, animal based uh, patties that are frozen and, mm. uh, a, uh, mom and her daughter were looking at them one day and I said, if you guys want to try something new, try a pack of these Beyond Burgers. And uh, we talked about it for just a minute and she said, absolutely. And I gave her my um, social media and they reached out afterwards. They're like, these were absolutely delicious. What else should we try? Oh, and uh, so, you know, not everyone's up to having that conversation with random strangers, but um, right. I'm not shy about it. So right. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, every, every, every person that we can reach, you know, is a little bit less, uh, hopefully less animals that can, that will be killed. You know, I don't know if you, so the, the, the stats for meat eaters in Western countries is going down, but apparently in like, you know, countries that are becoming more wealthy or more, you know, that were third, third world and are obviously getting more money and whatnot. And then they in turn want to eat more meat. Um, and I don't know what, how we like stop that before it begins, you know? Yeah. I, you know, it's, if you look at things like the China study, it shows how, you know, in Eastern cultures, how they never had things like heart disease, Mm -hmm. especially at the levels they do today until they were introduced to Western food Mm -hmm. or Western way of eating. And it's like, the connections are, are so clear to me, uh, you know, looking back at all of this stuff. Um, I think there will come a day when they will put warnings on <clears throat> cheese and dairy and meat. Um, it's going to happen. Um, if you look at historically, if you look at like the cigarette industry, um, 
I don't understand anyone who smokes today, or at least that's my, my age or younger who smokes today. But um, it took over 7,000 studies for the U.S. Attorney General to put a warning on cigarettes. Part of that is because the cigarette industries were funding a lot of these studies and paying a lot of these doctors. So um, as a rule of thumb, anytime you look at a study, see who paid for it that will show you or tell you, you know, uh, a lot about the study. Um, so see who has to gain something by the results. And um, I think at some point we will see warnings um, on food here or on, I should say, dead animals that a lot of people still see as food here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I call it dead animals. <laughs> I, um, well, I, I remember it was a 4th of July party that I was at and it was some older family, um, that has this 4th of July party. And so there was a lot of older people there. And, and one of the ladies who's so sweet, but she was like, so I hear you don't eat meat. And I was like, no, I don't eat dead animals. And she looked at me real weird. And she's like, Oh, <laughs> she's never thought about it like that. You know, and don't have like, to say it like that. Well, yeah, actually I do. I don't, I don't eat, or maybe I just said, I don't eat animals. And even just saying that she was like, yes. oh, like, I never thought of it as an animal, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> that, that is a great response because that, and that, that's the truth of it. Right. Yeah. Um, they, people are so disconnected. Um, recently I, we rescued a dog that had been dumped. Um, him and his, uh, brother who was deceased was dumped in a rough part of town and a friend of ours was able to re- rescue him. And then, um, we gave him a home and, you know, the story on my TikTok, like people, absolutely love it and commenting thank god for you guys this is awesome animals don't deserve to be treated that way animals don't and they kept repeating that animals don't deserve to be treated that way so i did a response to that and i said you know i would encourage you to say that then i want you to look down at your plate and say animals don't deserve to be treated that way Mm -hmm. and there were some people like oh my god i never thought about that and then there were of course the normal people were, were like um angry that i suggested that you know animals shouldn't be treated that way um I mean, they should say dogs. I mean, if if they're going to say that they need to say dogs don't need to be treated that way. You can't say animals because if that's not how they feel, I mean, yeah. Well, that's, that's the difference between a pet lover and an animal lover, Mm -hmm. but, but people don't like that being pointed out. You know, Mm -hmm. I used to consider myself an animal lover, but yet I would go out in the woods and kill them. I know. What a strange, strange thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, very powerful the way we've been misled by the marketing campaigns of these industries to think mm-hmm. that, um, you know, eating animals is normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, and, uh, going back to the studies and whatnot about being funded, I think, you know, a lot, I mean, cause people will always, well, they always try to rationalize why they do something right. Or, or try to, to, especially if you're having a conversation about this and on the internet, which I have said, you know, the internet can be a great place and it can be a very exhausting place, especially when you are trying to share information that is uncomfortable for people. Right. Um, yes. so like for dairy, for instance, you know, I had posted something about it the other day and then had a response, a DM of somebody trying to tell me that dairy was good for us because it has retinol. And I'm like, well, <laughs> so do sweet potatoes and carrots and all kinds of other things. And it's like, my, my thought was this, I was like, that's like saying that kryptonite is good for Clark Kent because it has magnesium or something. I mean, just because it has, you know, that was like, I just created that in my mind. Um, and I was like, that, that just because it has one or two things that are, you know, on paper, good for you doesn't void all of the horrible things. And, and the fact that, you know, I share often about the dairy industry in general. I mean, there's no reason to drink dairy, like literally zero reason. It's so awful. I mean, it's all, all of it is awful, but like dairy is disgusting. It, it really is. And if people really allow themselves to see what goes on. So this has been a big topic of discussion right now, because um, so the brand coconut bliss for 17 years, they've provided, you know, non-dairy ice cream, and that's been their entire platform, all of it. Well, they just rebranded as Cosmic Bliss, and they introduced a new line of organic grass-fed horseshit um, oh of dairy gosh. products. And so um, I, I asked the simple question. I said, 
you know, if you, if you want to, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how off, how wonderful they take care of the cows. It doesn't matter how wonderful they are to them. Um, ultimately, you can ask any dairy farmer this, and this will upset them. What happens to the male calves born on your farm? Um, so, you know, I posted that on the CEO's Instagram mm-hmm. and was immediate, immediately blocked. Um, so I've, I've got multiple friends that, you know, they are still commenting and they keep getting blocked from their pages too. And the answer is, you know, they're either sent for veal or they're left to die uh, because, you know, male calves in the dairy industry are a byproduct. They, they're waste. They don't produce anything. And uh, if people realize that, they would, I, you know, I would hope most people would stop supporting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, I mean, I, I share those videos of, and also the, um, what are those little, the crates that they're in or whatever that they put them veal in? Veal crates. Is it called a veal crate? Oh, yeah, that's what it's called. Um, yeah, it's terrible. Of them like in the snow and like literally like freezing to death. And it's like, how can you, you're supporting this, you know? I mean, yeah. I don't, the, I don't uh, there's no way around it. No, there's really not, you know, to, to show the level. And this isn't, this doesn't speak to all of the farmers, but so um, back to where we went on our first date for my wife and I, Young's Jersey Dairy, I went there to attempt to rescue a um, calf that was there. Um, and I talked to Jay Young, who is one of the founders, sons of Young's Jersey Dairy. And I asked him, I said, you know, point blank. I said, what happens to the male calves born your, on your farm? He said, I don't give them any food. I don't give them medical treatment. I don't give them shelter. I leave them where they were born. I call the neighbor. Sometimes he comes, gets them and he's able to rescue them and he raises them for beef. What? If, and so every time here in this area, they, they always have stories and festivals going on out at Young's Jersey Dairy. And every time I see it on our local news pages, I share that exact story. That is a conversation I had with him. And, uh, and he just said it so nonchalant. Like it was, Oh, like he was like, he was cold, you know, very much matter of fact. Yeah. And we don't, we don't allow males to live on this property. Apparently, I guess he had a, I don't remember if it was a great uncle or his grandpa, somebody of that nature was um, nearly trampled and killed by a bull on their property. Um, so yeah. you're going to damn the rest of them. And, so now they hate know, all males because yeah. Yeah. You and, probably and, agitated him anyways, or I mean, they're ter- <laughs> I mean, who knows, you know, like, <laughs> like I, don't yeah, know. I mean, what you guys are doing to these animals. I mean, I'm sure they get tired of your crap. Um, but that, that's, that's the problem right there is that, you know, that in itself that people don't realize that, um, the difference between the meat industry and the dairy industry, the meat industry is from animals that have been killed. The dairy industry co- uh, comes from products of animals that will be killed. Mm. Um, you know, the, the boys are sent to slaughter uh, as, in veal crates, um, or they're just left to die. And the girls after carrying their babies and I, this, you know, this is one of the things I, I don't know why for me, it was something that was such a huge disconnect. I didn't know that dairy cows don't just magically produce milk. Everybody thinks that. that, that so many people think that. Yeah, I know. When, when someone burst that bubble for me, I, like you could have knocked me over. I was like, holy crap. I had no idea that they carry their babies for nine months. I had no idea that they did this to them year after year after year. And then I had no idea once their milk production gets reduced, they get them pregnant one last time and send them to slaughter fully pregnant. Because and that's industry standard because they're valued off of their weight at that point. So if there's a baby in there, if there's a baby inside mama when she goes to be slaughtered, she is worth more money. And so then you're killing two lives. But you know, I've seen those, I've seen those pictures, and I but I didn't realize that it was every time. I thought that that was just on accident or something. I don't know that uh, they don't do anything by accident because yeah. they, they calculate both the weight, the gestation period and how much money they got to put into feeding this cow um, and the timing to send them to slaughter. So it's they try so to evil. get it. They try. Absolutely. That is evil. I mean, um, the first cow we rescued this guy, um, when we went to pick this cow up from this place, um, the, the hollowness in his eyes was heartbreaking. Mm. And um, he tried to, we waited until we got this cow loaded up on 
into the trailer before we told him what we were doing. Um, he kept, he kept joking. He's like, Oh, I've been calling that cow T-bone. I kept calling, calling him, um, um, he, he called him something else. And, um, we were just, we, we kept our mouth shut until we got him the trailer. And we said, this cow is never going to be eaten. He's going to a sanctuary where he's going to be taken care of. Um, and then he, he was like, why wouldn't you eat him? And it was like a foreign concept. And then he took us into this other barn. He said, come here, I want to show you all something. And I stepped, I took two steps in to this barn and uh, I stopped and told my wife, don't come in here. I knew what he was doing immediately. Um, He took us into a barn where he was uh, breeding and raising sheep. And there was a stack of stillborn sheep on the floor. He thought he was going to show something that was going to break me because we were choosing to be kind to animals. And, um, you know, I wasn't going to give him that satisfaction. And I sure as hell wasn't going to let my wife come in and see that because I know that what what that had done to her. Mm -hmm. Um, That that was, that was hard, but not all farmers are that way, of course. Um, But uh, time and time again, when I have these experiences with these farmers, I see that a lot, that they're so disconnected, that they're Mm -hmm. so machine-like, that they're so, um, just out of touch what they're really doing mm-hmm. and they, you know, they justify it because that's the way they've always done it. Mm-hmm. I think part of it's, it's also perhaps like a coping mechanism because it's, it's certainly not natural for a human being to be in those situations long-term and not have trauma, you know, whether that's subconsciously or whatever. And so I feel like that's just, that's the only way they can get through their day, you know, yeah. perhaps, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it, but he definitely, um, I, I don't know, between the conversation we've had with the, you know, the, at Young's Jersey Dairy and this farmer, it's just that it's like they have something that's not there. They have no empathy for mm-hmm. another living being. And it's, um, it's, it's sad to see. Mm-hmm. And it's sad to think that, you know, if they have kids that potentially they could, or being raised to have that little empathy for other creatures, you know? Yeah. And at the same time, like they might have a dog that they love, but a lot of times people like that, I don't know. They don't treat their dogs like you and I would treat our dogs, you know, <laughs> like, yes, like they see them as a tool. Yeah. Um, some, someone that runs around on the farm and, you know, mm-hmm. does whatever, but um, yeah, that's um, that, that, yeah, it, it's definitely tough to see sometimes, but, uh, you know, I think things are changing. People are starting to wake up. People are starting to, um, try new things. And that's kind of one of the things I try to encourage people, um, to try something new, you know, I mean, it doesn't have to be perfect. Sure. Would I love for you to go vegan overnight, you know, flip that switch and be like, I'm done. Absolutely. But I didn't do that. Um, that wasn't my journey. So how can I you know, demand that you or someone else does it that way? So, you know, I try to talk to people how I would have liked to have been talked, share the information in a way that made sense to me. So that's kind of how I try to come up with, you know, the things that I share and put out there. And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, like the people I work with, I try to get them to try new things. And um, I've got a couple of them that, you know, they've got instead of um, dairy, cruel sour cream, they now have vegan sour cream in their fridges. Um, they'll bring in food and they'll try things. And um, it's uh, interesting. You know, they're like, oh, I had an impossible Whopper and that was really good. And, and then I'm like, well, why would you eat anything else then if that was you know, <laughs> pa- palatable right. And, right. and you enjoyed it? Why, why choose the other option? Mm-hmm. And so um, just, you know, planting those seeds and trying to encourage people to do, do better. Yeah. I mean, nowadays there's so many darn options. It's like, why would you, how there's not as it's it's so much easier. I mean, it just definitely is. There's no way around it. I mean, so. Yeah. I mean, the the only excuse that is really valid is that you just don't care. Um, I mean, there are so many options available. You know, if you talk about, you know, plant-based cheeses um, yeah, you may not like, let's just say so delicious. You may not like their, their cheese, but try one of the 20 others that are there in the grocery store today. Um, uh, you, you get the people that argue, well, what about indigenous people? You know what? There are people that are indigenous tribes across this, you know, across the world that don't have access to a grocery store that live the way they do. And they have for thousands of years, those folks, they're not who I'm concerned about. Mm. Um, not, not in the least bit, you know, I'm concerned about you who lives here and has access to 40 grocery stores within, you know, a 10 mm-hmm. mile radius. Yeah. 
that's like comparing apples to oranges. I mean, it's completely different. Yep. Or, and, or, or <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> The, uh, the people who justify, well, lions eat. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're not a lion. You so, have nothing uh, in common with a lion. You have no, much more in common no. with a primate who eats plants. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they don't, they don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Well, they, they envision themselves as a lion, I guess, because they're <laughs> so strong or something. I don't know. Top of the food chain. <laughs> like, come on. Like, how would you fare against a lion? Let's be honest. You're not the top mm-hmm. of anything. No, I know. Or they, or they say the circle of life. And I was like, there's nothing circle of life about factory farms. <laughs> like yeah, lions don't raise gazelle to eat no. them for dinner. They don't have them in a, in a windowless, you know, cramped giant barn. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's just, it's, it's not the same. It's, it's not a very good comparison. And I think back to the primate thing, I mean, there's only, I think like maybe there's one primate that does eat meat. I can't remember which, what it is, but most of them eat mostly plants or bugs, you know, like they don't, they're not, they're not out chasing down rabbits and, you know, no, it's some kind of, it's some kind of baboon. Yeah. Um, Yes. Yeah. But, um, I'm not and there are multiple species of baboons, but yeah, most, most primates are, you know, primarily, you know, plant eaters. Um, you look at a gorilla, like how big and strong they are. They don't eat animals. Yeah. And how similar, like, you know, I follow some accounts that have gorillas and their hands are so, 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 you know, human-like and I mean, people look at them as these majestic creatures and that they're so similar to us. And it's like, yeah, they are, (laughs) we should be more like them. Like, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so do you, you work with different sanctuaries? Do you, you rescue animals now or? So we, um, so we don't have a sanctuary of our own. That would be right. our ultimate goal someday right. to be able to do that. Um, so right now we have, you know, friends at different sanctuaries across the country. And mm. um, sometimes we will be the ones rescuing animals. And sometimes I will just be putting the right people in contact. Um, so um, the most recent one um Iowa Farm Sanctuary, Sean Camp out there, she came across a blind calf that needed a home. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was in a position where she was not able to do that, but she was able able to help. So I reached out to to some of my friends at Sunrise Sanctuary and uh, they're outside of Columbus, Ohio, just um, just to the north a little bit in Mansfield. And I said, hey, you know, I've got um, a cow looking for a home. And they said, you know, we just built a new uh, pasture um, for a new cow and we have the resources to take her on. So I put them in contact and Sean met them halfway in Chicago and drove the calf to them. And uh, Greg and Liz uh, brought her the rest of the way home. And uh, so, you know, while we don't have our own sanctuary, there's still a lot that I can do. I can oh, raise sure. money. I can help raise money for sanctuaries. I can, you know, help highlight different sanctuaries um, across this country. And, you know, I think it's important, you know, the big sanctuaries that are out there, like Iowa Farm Sanctuary. Um, if, you, if you're not familiar with Sean and her husband, um, they are some incredible people that, um, you know, their focus and mission is the animals. And those big sanctuaries are very important. They do a, they do a good job. They reach lots of people. Um, but we also need to remember to support some of these smaller sanctuaries mm. like Sunrise Sanctuary. Um, these sanctuaries are doing the same work, not on the same volume. Um, they're, they're rescuing the same animals. They're having the same challenges. They have the same vet bills, the same food bills. Um, and they're encouraging people every day by um, rescuing these animals to stop eating them. So it's important to, you know, find some sanctuaries that, um, and go to them, um, go to them and, you know, find some places that you feel like these folks are like family to you. Um, we got friends down in Georgia at farm of the free. We got, um, folks in Tennessee at the cows come home sanctuary. Um, uh, Leslie over at for them sanctuary. Um, so, you know, we've been able to connect with lots of people on this journey and, um, it's always good when you can help, uh, you know, rescue more animals. Absolutely. I would love to have a sanctuary. That's a, it's a lot of work. I mean, it really is. Isn't yeah. It? I mean, trying to get donations and I mean, and just keeping all those animals, you know, happy and healthy and oof. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a lot. So, um, you know, there are different organ. If you look at like big Island, uh, farm sanctuary in Hawaii, um, they use a little different model instead of being a nonprofit, now they're using their location to their advantage because mm. they have they have some Airbnbs set up on their property. Oh, cool! So 
you know, I, I can't do that here in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but, um, so, so they're set up, you know, to run a little differently. So they, I mean, they still need donations and they um, mm-hmm. appreciate all the support, but they don't have to be on that constant cycle of, you know, asking yeah. for money all the time. That's pretty cool. I, I am not aware of that one. So they're, they're, they're unique, uh, you know, because of their location. Yeah. I mean, they, um, so that Hawaii, helps. So. <laughs> yeah. So like, let, let's go, but, yeah. um, <laughs> they, um, uh, you know, so there are different models and different ways you can do things, but yeah, it is a lot of work and, um, to try to figure out where you're going to constantly get money to feed these animals and care for them. Um, it's a tall task. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that just made me think, so I live in North Carolina right now. I I'm from South Carolina, but I moved to North Carolina, uh, in 2020. And as you know, North Carolina is the, uh, pig yeah. capital of, I guess the world. Right. And, Whenever I drive back to South Carolina, which is about two hours away on the highway, I pass by about four, uh, factory farms that, um, I'm assuming they're pig farms. I don't know, but you know, most of the time, like when I was in South Carolina, I didn't have to pass by them. And now every time I go to see my family, I have to like see them. And it's just like, so disheartening. Oh, and then one day we actually went the wrong we actually went the wrong way and passed by the Smithfield, uh, plant. It is ginormous. It literally is like its own little, its own freaking town. And I videoed like from the start to the end. Cause it was, I mean, it was very overwhelming. Like just imagine, you know, visualizing, yeah. um, that whole thing. But yeah, I mean, living, living in this state is kind of, it kind of is disturbing. I don't know. Just that would that would be hard to see that every day. It really yeah. it really would. And yeah. uh, people don't realize it. Um, there's so much that they just want to ignore. And, you know, mm-hmm. no one would want to live next to Smithfield no. in any of their processing facilities. Mm-hmm. But yet those people support Smithfield and continue to eat animals that, you know, support these companies. So it's like, you know, you're, you're still part of the problem, mm-hmm. even though you yourself wouldn't want to live there, but we'll make other people live next to mm-hmm. you know, where they and are. Then, yeah. And then they get sick from all the, the fumes and the, you know, Oh gosh, I don't even, that's a whole nother subject. Um, anyways. So, uh, what, what do you have kind of in the works now? I mean, how, I know you had a, you have a podcast. Yeah, I do. I do have a podcast and, uh, I, I <laughs> you a, say that uh, is like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have thought about revamping that I'm trying to figure out, I want to come up with something that is, um, a little more unique, um, hmm. than just the normal podcast. Um, my, cool. my first season of my podcast, which is the VSD podcast, um, it's available everywhere, but it's just me rambling, um, <laughs> talk, talking about different subjects. I don't have anyone on, yeah. um, having conversations like this. Um, so, um, that's something I would like to get into. Um, I, I just, you know, it's one of those things, there's only so many hours in the day and, um, we do what we can do. And, um, I think I, I, I want to revitalize that and I want, I want to find the proper format to be able to do that. So, mm-hmm. um, that's probably next on my list. Um, for the time being, I'll continue, you know, speaking up and, uh, having conversations with people the best I can, any, any chance I get that opportunity. Absolutely. And you're on, you're on Instagram and how else? Can so we're on Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, and TikTok. Um, Instagram is probably my primary, um, Avenue. That's kind of the one that's kind of been like kind of my home. Mm-hmm. Um, TikTok, though, lately, I'll tell you, um, the growth I've had on that just because that's a newer platform mm-hmm. has been pretty daggone strong and it will surpass my Instagram here before long. Wow. Um, so I've been holding off on the darn TikTok. I don't know. Should I be on? <laughs> I was, I was, I was reluctant for a long time. Yeah. And then, then I, I joined and I, I joined to watch. Yeah, <laughs> and then then I then I started seeing you know more and more vegan content. Um, and then I was like, okay, I think it's safe. I can I can jump in here, and um, I, I think it's I think it's a growing platform. Um, you know, I I don't know. I think anywhere you're putting out the content that um, people 
you know, like and want to consume or interact with, I think that's where your platform will grow. For some reason, um, my Facebook is about half the size of my Instagram, even though I share the same content and, um, and am as active on it. So, you know, I don't know if it's because, yeah, yeah, it it really is. And, um, Instagram still going, going well, but, um, those are my three primaries, um, that I have out there in the world. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Well, I really appreciate the invite and it's always good to, um, you know, it's always good to have dialogue with folks who, you know, feel the way that we do. Um, and it's funny, like, you know, you can have a conversation with another vegan and have something new that you didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool when you learn something new or a new idea or experience or a new rebuttal when someone brings something up. Um, so I think it's important that we, you know, not only do we talk to each other, but we got to talk to other folks who haven't started their journey yet. And, um, I would rather have, I'd rather have a thousand people starting their journey, making changes in their life, working towards reducing and eliminating animal cruelty from their life than having that one so-called perfect vegan, because let's be honest, it, it doesn't exist. Um, I think we need to do more to encourage people to start doing something, even if it's not perfect. Um, I'd rather have people get started than to continue to ignore the problem altogether. Mm-hmm. I think that, that, uh, that idea of the perfect vegan is what makes people not want to even try because they're afraid they won't be yeah. that, you know, and that they'll fail or something, but you know, there is perfect, you know, we all, our society has to get over. I'm definitely have a perfectionist, uh, personality and it's terrible. It's debil. It can be debilitating. So <laughs> I try to encourage other people to try to, I mean, you know, to actively try to get out of that mindset. Cause you know, we just all have to try our best. And, and I, I, I know you say when you know better, you do better. And yeah, you know, that's, that's basically what it is. So yeah, I appreciate yeah, absolutely. you. For- speaking up and speaking out oh i you know people people say that they appreciate that and you know i my response when someone says thanks for you know speaking up for the animals is that you know that's the least that we can do right um so we can all do something um we all don't have the space to have a sanctuary. We all don't have the funds to run a sanctuary, but we can do things to support sanctuaries. We can volunteer. We can, you know, share their stuff on social media. We can spark in conversations with other people to start their journey. You know, there's lots of things that we can do. Um, and that doesn't mean that you, you know, you ha- you don't have to run your own um, big page. Like I do, you don't have to have, you know, all of this, but um, even sharing amongst your friends, your family, um, even if that's hard, they may not like your stuff, but they're watching, they see it, they listen. Mm-hmm. And those seeds sometimes come back to grow. Um, I have had multiple friends that, um, you know, in, in the beginning were like, oh my God, you know, stop talking about it. I don't want to hear about it. And now they're like, hey, you know, what, what, what burgers do you like best, you know, and, or what would you try for this? Or what cheese do you like? And um, they may not comment in it, they may not share it, but I'm telling you, they see it even in your own little circles. And that's very impactful. Mm-hmm. So, yep. That's the key is just planting that seed and slowly or surely people will, will wake up. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I appreciate the conversation today and, uh, happy to do it again sometime if you want. And uh, if there's anything I can do, if you have anything that you're putting out that you need, um, you, you need help with, we're happy to uh, put good, positive stuff out there. Just like our friend, April, you know, I love sharing her content and putting it out for everyone to find. Um, you know, I think it's so awesome when you connect and find people that are like-minded and, um, have that same passion, um, that, that same goal to encourage people to stop eating animals. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll definitely have you back on for sure. And, and, uh, thanks again. Anytime. If you need something, let me know. Okay. Until next time, peace and plants. Wasn't that such an inspiring chat? I hope that that episode has helped empower you to be more outspoken about veganism. Maybe it helps inspire you to eat more plants or eat less animals wherever wherever you are in your journey or to help share this information with others because I know it's a very uncomfortable topic for all hum- most humans because 
deep down, we know it's wrong. And that's why we feel uncomfortable talking about it or learning about these things, learning about the truths of meat and dairy industry and egg industry. So hopefully you feel inspired by that. Uh, I know I do. It always makes me feel more empowered to talk about it with others. It is a topic that I am so passionate about. I love animals so much. It hurts my heart (laughs) just a little, (laughs) but I know that, you know, trying to do the right thing. And that's at the end of the day, I mean, it's better to just try and it's okay. Like we said, perfectionism is very toxic. So it's okay if you're not perfect all the time, but as long as you're putting out some effort, that's amazing. You're doing great, you know? And I just appreciate you so much for being compassionate and being open to talking about this or listening about this, you know, um, and caring and being empathetic about all the creatures on this planet that most of us care about and, and do love and don't want to see hurt. So thank you so much for being a beautiful light on this planet that we need so desperately. So until next time, my beautiful friends. Peace and plants. <laughs>